This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of April 11th, 2022, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's probably fair to say that most folks in the Indianapolis area have been to the city of Lebanon, Indiana, although they probably were passing through at about 70 miles per hour. Interstate 65 runs right through the city on its route between Indianapolis and Lafayette. And at that speed, motorists might not notice many of the improvements, or if you're among the critics, you might just call them changes, prompted by Mayor Matt Gentry. You might recall Gentry was just 26 years old when he was elected mayor in 2015. His platform called for breaking the city out of a certain stasis and encouraging economic development and community growth. His early initiatives included spiffing up downtown and improving its infrastructure in hopes of attracting restaurants, businesses, and residential development. He's focused on bringing more big companies to the mammoth Lebanon Business Park, in particular firms in food processing and manufacturing. He's concentrated on amenities for residents, including recreation plays like a proposed $25 million field house that in turn would anchor a 95-anchor development with apartments, condos, restaurants, office buildings, and hotels. And Gentry still faces resistance from residents who would prefer the city retain its small-town character. But Lebanon and its immediate vicinity could be on the verge of massive change. Gentry learned last month that state economic development officials have targeted Boone County as a key location for future growth. They're exploring options to buy large swaths of farmland to make way for a huge business park as large as 7,000 acres for companies in high-tech and other innovative industries. Lebanon, of course, is the county seat, smack in the middle of Boone County. And the city certainly will be a factor that companies consider when they weigh whether to set up shop, needing hundreds, if not thousands, of employees. Mayor Matt Gentry, now 32 years old, is our guest this week. And our conversation continually comes back to the central question of trying to maintain the essential character of Lebanon while making it attractive to new residents and positioning it to grow. I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast, Matt Gentry, Mayor of Lebanon, Indiana. Thank you for making time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mason. I think Mayor is the simplest job title we've had on the podcast in several months, but it is probably the most complicated job. That is a fair statement. Yes. I, I always love to have to go to uh, elementary schools and they ask, you know, what does the mayor do? It's like, well, how much time do you have? So. <laughs> what do you tell them? You know, I just try to tell them it's about trying to make your community uh, the best place to live. And that's really what it boils down to. And there's a lot of facets to that. But it's really trying to make your community um, a place that people want to grow up and raise their families and one day come back and raise their own. So now, right off the bat, I want to return to a question that we asked you in back in 2016, about nine months after you were first elected mayor. Very early in your career, you said that the state should have a two-term limit that keeps mayors from serving more than eight consecutive years in office. Where do you stand on that right now? You know, honestly, after being in it for so long, or for, you know, for almost you know two terms now, um, in the kind of the, the deep of it, um, I'm conflicted now on, on where I where I what I said about that at that time. You know, I, I do think there are 
a lot of things, you have to have a mayors that are continuing to push forward, right? And so, you know, I think when I said that, I, I was trying to get the fact that you need to have a mayor that constantly has new ideas and, and a new a drive to keep the community going. You don't want a mayor that's just in there hanging around kind of just because they like kissing babies and going to ribbon cuts, right? If you have a mayor that's pushing things forward and making your community better every day, you know, at the end of the day, I guess leave it up to voters of, of to make it, let them make that decision. But, you know, it's hard to legislate that, I'm sure. And, you know, at the end of the day, too, you know, my situation, um, I feel like I kind of lost two years because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I don't feel like I've necessarily gotten the full two-term impact, if you know what I mean, as well. So yeah. that's a challenge I have. Do you, what are your plans uh, for the next election? Do you plan to run again? I'm still making that decision at this point. Um, you know, I have a, a, a two-year-old and my wife, you know, that's going to be a family decision that we make. Again, as we'll talk about, I'm sure in this podcast, we have uh, several large projects happening here in Lebanon. Um, and I want to make sure that those are in, in a good point and, and can keep moving forward. So this is I'll make down the road here um, next year. Yeah. When I posed that question on myself, pretending to be mayor, I, I suddenly sort of felt a sense of ownership <laughs> for Lebanon, <laughs> well, I mean, Indiana. And it's because it's, it's, it's a big commitment. You know, you know, I always say, you know, mayor is different than running for the state legislature or, or anything else because you know you're constantly in your community, right? You're never not the mayor, right? When you're in town, so you know you're mayor when you're at the grocery store, right? You're mayor when you're at the doctor's office, right? You're you know you're mayor at the chiropractor's office, right? So you're you're always the mayor, right? So it's it's definitely a different burden than maybe other elected positions. Um, so it's a big decision to make. You know, it's about all about trying to have the right team to keep your community moving forward. So. Yeah. But I, I would assume, I mean, if, if you come in with a with a very sort of definitive vision, which I think you did, that after working on it for six or eight years, and uh, you, as you said, you'd be in the middle of a bunch of different projects, and you know, you would hate for somebody new to come in and just decide that wasn't important or just to go in a different direction. Right. Exactly. And yeah, and there's, you know, I think there's good times, right, to to say, hey, I've I've done what I came in to do, and I'm ready to to be done, and, and let someone else kind of take the torch and. And keep things moving forward. But, you know, if you're in the middle of projects, that becomes a much harder decision to make, you know, unless you're comfortable that someone that would come behind you is ready to keep, you know, continuing your vision as for and they agree with kind of what you're, what you're doing as well. So we reported back in 2016 that at the end of every workday, you mark an X on your calendar. As I do. As a reminder. Yeah. Yep. That your time would be, could be limited. Did yep. you stop doing that after you were reelected to <laughs> a second term? No, I didn't. Um, you know, it, it is a it's a visual reminder for me. You know, I have a certain amount of time to do this, um, and every you know, if my goal is to make every day to do the most possible impact I can make Lebanon better every single day. Um, so it is a it is a visual reminder for me, and you know, it is kind of that pressure clock that says you know this you know you you don't get days back right, and you got to keep 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 working, nose the grindstone, and and keep pushing. Do you uh, have bigger political ambitions? Do you have your eye on another office somewhere down the road? You know, I get asked that question a lot. You know, people, when I first came into office, they said, well, he's just going to be the mayor to be a stepping stone, jump up to whatever. And, you know, still here seven years later. So the, being the mayor is the best job I've ever had. Um, I, I love it. You know, I'm, I'm making an impact in my community where, where my son's growing up, you know, where hopefully one day he'll come back and raise his family. You know, I, I love being the mayor. Right. And I, and I think we're Lebanon. It's an exciting time to be the mayor, for sure. A lot of projects that we have going on. You know, politics is a weird world. Sometimes opportunities present themselves. But, 
you know, I, like I said, I, I love being the mayor and I want to continue doing that, you know, until, until, until I don't, I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you were not the only really young Indiana mayor to be elected in the aughts. Did you ever hear any comparisons to Pete Buttigieg? Um, not so much Pete. Um, here I'd get more with Mayor McBarnes in Frankfurt because he was 23 when he was elected. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he had finished his college finals at Butler and he came right in. So um, I got compared to Mayor McBarnes a lot. And actually when he was here, Mayor of Frankfurt, um, he was a, a very good mentor and friend to me as well. So I, uh, you know, we had good conversations and, but, you know, there's actually kind of a, a kind of a crop of, of young mayors you know, around the state. And when you go to conferences and stuff, you know, we all would kind of hang out together and trade ideas and all that stuff. But yeah, there was a, you know, there's, there's always new ones every year or it seems like every, every cycle as well. So. What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what did you, you want know, to be mayor? On, on, on bad days, I asked myself that too. Um, yeah. You know, my background, you know, I graduated from Purdue with, you know, degrees in political science and economics. And I, you know, I worked at the state house on staff um, worked on political campaigns. You know, I always thought I'd be kind of the guy behind the scenes. And I was looking for someone to run for mayor of Lebanon. Again, I, you know, I've lived here in Lebanon, in the Lebanon area since uh, 2007. And, you know, I wanted to raise my family here. I wanted that small town feel. And I was looking for someone that would help take Lebanon to the next level. And I couldn't find anybody that was willing to do it. So I said, well, you know, if I believe in this, I guess I'll put my name on the ballot and see if people give me a shot at it, you know, talk about what I feel like our community needs. And they were willing to give me a chance. And they gave me a, and they gave a 25 year old kid um, their support in the primary. And then again, in the general election. And it's just been, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of projects and a lot of effort and a lot of uh, just hard work kind of every day ever since then. How would you describe Lebanon when you took office? You know, I think Lebanon was was at a turning point. You know, we were at a you know we were at a critical junction in our history. Um, you know, obviously with Boone County growing as fast as it is, you know, one of the fastest growing counties in, you know, for sure in Indiana and if not the entire nation. You know, seeing that kind of suburbanization pressure happening, kind of coming our way, we had a, I felt like a few critical years to try to determine of what our you know what who do we want to be right? What do we want to be going forward? And, you know, what's the vision for, for 2020 and beyond, right? And so that's kind of what I spent my first term kind of working on to set the foundation of, of kind of a strong foundation for us to grow upon and how to, and how to manage, you know, growth pressures and changes the, in the economy. And then how do we, you know, kind of put that all into a place that makes Lebanon the best place to, to, to live and raise a family? Because that's, in the day, that's my goal, you know, um, is I want Lebanon to be the best place to, to do business, to live, to, to work and play, right? Lofty goal for sure. Um, and, you know, we, we're, we're playing, we're doing a lot of things. I think we're, are making it better here, but that's, that's the ambition. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's, the work's never going to be done with that. And as you, as you sort of alluded to, you know, Lebanon definitely was a place that had not changed much. Right. Yep. Uh, in the, in the previous decades, obviously, you know, if, if the populace, uh, voted for a 25 year old, they were looking for some kind of change and, yeah. and some kind of fresh perspective. What was, what was your vision? What was the elevator pitch that you were giving them? I'm sure it wasn't just like, well, we'll see what works. Yeah, no, it, it was, you know, how do we, how do we capitalize on, you know, one Lebanon's location, obviously between Indianapolis and Lafayette um, with Interstate 65, you know, how do we capitalize on that location to, to bring higher paying jobs to bring more amenities, more options, smart, sustainable growth, but also keep kind of that small town charm and feel, right? So kind of balancing all of those 
plate, spinning plates at the same time, essentially, you know, and, and not just try to say, you know, I remember how Lebanon was when I was growing here up here in the 1960s and let's keep it like that, you know, cause, cause I think, you know, you know, the only thing that's consistent ever is change, right? So, so it's a matter about how do you manage that change and, and make it positive, right? And, and not leave anyone behind, you know, and, and make a community that's available for people of all walks of life and, 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 out, and outlooks. So that's something that I think we've tried to focus on. And, you know, we're not trying to just be all, you know, attract only, you know, high-end development and, you know, high expensive homes. You know, we're, we're trying to have a base where we have, you know, workforce housing, where we have, you know, first-time home buyer housing, where we have downtown apartments, where we have kind of a good mix of everything that, you know, anybody could find something that they would like to both live and, you know, and also work here in Lebanon, right? And have that kind of mixture of, of industry, but then also residential and development as well. Now, before we started recording the podcast, you showed me a bucket. Yeah. Uh, that, that's in the background in your office. Now, uh, tell everybody, what does that bucket say? Yeah. So uh, I kind of have a, it's a kind of a giant square jar, essentially. Um, when I first came into office, um, I heard, well, that's how we've always done it a lot. And I got so tired of that. I essentially said, I'm putting a square jar that if you say, well, that's how, that's how it's always been done um, in my office, you know, you have to pay a 20, you have to pay a quarter essentially. So luckily I don't hear it very often anymore now. You know, we've kind of broken that habit from people. Um, but that was a big kind of a culture change that I kind of faced when I came in that, you know, we've done certain things, certain ways. And, you know, if there's a reason behind it, that's valid. So, but explain that to me, don't just say, well, cause we've always done it that way. Cause I think there's, you always have to be constantly looking at, is this the best way to approach a, a solution or best way to approach a problem, you know, and, and find creative solutions to, to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm, I'm sure that there was a fairly large segment of the community that just really didn't want things to change at all. Still is, still is, you know, I, you know, I'm no, I'm, I'm aware I'm a, uh, I'm kind of one of those people you either love me or you hate me, you know, and, and for people that, you know, maybe remember how Lebanon was and they want Lebanon to be away from Indianapolis and not be connected to that. You know, I'm probably not their favorite person and I recognize that, but I feel like it's better to try to be proactive and control our destiny versus, you know, trying to bear our head in the sand and then be overwhelmed by it because you can't, you know, you've, you've lost, you don't, you haven't laid the groundwork to prepare for it. So that's something that I think is a different approach because, I, you know, I, you know, there's, I feel like there are, you know, Lebanon is a special place and just like they do. Um, but I don't think you keep it special by putting under a glass bottle. You keep it special by, by, you know, the, the themes that we have and what we focus on, the community that we've built here, you want to accentuate those and make sure that continues and grows throughout the community not just assuming that it'll, it will, it won't change by allowing, you know, not allowing the new people to come in. Right. So the people come up to you in the supermarket and say, Mayor Gentry, what the hell are you doing? Why are you changing this thing that I love? Whatever that is. Well, it's not as much a supermarket these days. It's more on social media. Um, that's what <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, you're, it, it is right. You know, it's, Oh, he just wants to make Lebanon Carmel or he wants to make Lebanon Zionsville or, you know, insert, you know, whatever community you have a negative perception of, you know, but, but I really don't, you know, I want to make Lebanon the best, best version of Lebanon. Are there themes that we borrow from other communities, um, you know, like Franklin, like Crawfordsville, like Valparaiso? Yeah, you know, there's no, there's no rule against plagiarism in community development, right? We can steal good <laughs> ideas from other communities, um, you know, model, you know, take it and, and make it fit the community that you want to Im- implement it in. But, you know, there, you don't have to reinvent the wheel on these things right? There's a lot of good uh, communities, community leaders. They're doing a lot of great work. 
And there's ways to kind of model that and, and take the best pieces of that and make that fit in your community. And that's, that's really my goal. You know, my, my goal is again, just to make Lebanon the best place it can be. So a lot of communities I think have approached, I mean, Fishers, uh, Brownsburg, Indianapolis back in the day, one of the first things that they tried to do uh, is to kind of reinvigorate their downtowns. And yep. you very early on, I think, uh, proposed spending, I think, $10 million or so, maybe more than that, yep. to improve the central infrastructure of the downtown, like building a public plaza yep. on the county courthouse square, a 200-space parking garage, uh, extending, I think, one of the prominent trails yep. uh, into the downtown area. Uh, was there resistance to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they remember, you know, they, they, they would talk about how, you know, how downtown used to use all the shops and, and all, and all of it, how it was back before Walmart. And, and I said, you know, that there's a way we get back to that. Right. And we have to make the downtown the place to be right. When I mean, when I came in, you know, the last major investment downtown had been like 30 years ago. So before I was even born and we had to, you know, do something right. Because there were vacancies, right. At four o'clock after the county courthouse, you know, workers went home, the sidewalks rolled up, there's nothing to do. So how do we activate that space? And, you know, I believe, you know, places like Carmel and Brownsburg, they had to manufacture artificial downtowns, right? They didn't have a downtown. We had, right? We were a county courthouse community. We have a beautiful courthouse with buildings all around it. We had the downtown there. It just needed a facelift. It needed to be uh, kind of brought back to, brought back to life. And, you know, with the project down there, of essentially replacing everything from building wall to courthouse wall, um, we, we brought it back and it's, you go down there at, you know, five o'clock now and it's, there are people in the restaurants and shops and, you know, it's the place to be again. And that's something that we hadn't had for a long time. Um, you know, and people were, you know, well, why do we have bump outs and you know, why do we have all this pedestrian design features that they don't like, right? You know, it's like, that's because we want to make it a place where people want to spend time with their family and friends and they feel safe to walk around. You know, they feel safe to cross the street because before we had, you know, 15 foot wide lanes, wider than on 65, that people could drive as fast as they wanted through downtown. You know, we want to make them have to think about it and, and slow down and drive and be aware of pedestrians because there is, you know, that's our highest density pedestrian area in our community. Um, and we want to make people spend time down there. So um, yeah, there's still resistance to it. You know, it's not a, it's not like it's been done and people are like, oh, it's, it's perfect. I'm sorry I was wrong. You know, I don't really ever hear people admit <laughs> me wrong about it. But, you know, you look at all the restaurants that are busy, you know, you look at the investments that are happening in the buildings. I think good indicators are, are tell me it was the right decision to make. Yeah. I know some commercial developers have proposed the mixed use projects mm-hmm. uh, that would combine apartments and offices, retail, which I'm, I'm sure is something that you definitely want to see. The pandemic delayed those plans. Yeah. Where are, where are, is downtown so, right now? So on the, uh, the Brickman building, um, that's kind of the one on the, uh, the western side of State Road 39, just south of our downtown kind of our first mixed-use building in probably more than 100 years here in Lebanon. It's actually going through the demolition process now. So one of the buildings has been taken down and they're working through, fortunately, the weather's not cooperating this week, but um, they're, they're working through that process. It's all been approved. So the financing is secured. So um, hopefully they'll be able to start construction here this summer and um, that'll be completed probably either you know, next, next year with that. So that's the beginning of kind of that larger vision of, of bringing that downtown density, you know, downtown activity back um, to downtown Lebanon. Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. Taft. 
Today's modern law firm. With more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ Podcast and our conversation with Lebanon Mayor Matt Gentry. You also decided pretty early Lebanon could be a hub for food processing and food manufacturing companies. Uh, Why that focus? You know, I would say that goes back to kind of my experience kind of going in my being in college and seeing the impact that the Great Recession had on, on communities. You know, I was looking around of, you know, what's a long-term sustainable infrastructure or industry that we want to focus on, you know, and even during a pandemic or during a, you know, housing crisis, people have to eat, right? And that's why I feel like the food manufacturing space for us, you know, obviously Indiana is a a state that creates a lot of food for us, uh, for the the whole nation, right? And so how could we have kind of a piece of that here in Lebanon? So, so food manufacturing and then also consumer products as well, right? Those are kind of two things, kind of a manufacturing basis. Um, but then they also tend to pay higher wages as well, because that was something that we wanted to kind of diverge from as well. You know, kind of the bread and butter of our business park for a long time was logistics companies. And, and you know, that's fine, but they typically don't pay types of wages you want to see to support a family on, right? Generally, you know, when I first came in, they were, you know, anywhere from 12 to $15 an hour, which, you know, now the McDonald's is paying more than that based on our unemployment. But you know, we wanted to have industries that would kind of raise the bar from a um, wages standpoint. And, you know, this food manufacturing, you know, they're paying mid 20s, right? So 23 to $27 an hour, which it makes, which you know, may not sound like a whole lot, but it can make a big difference for a family um, going from $15 an hour to $25 an hour. And then how did that focus uh, play out? And uh, who have you been able to attract? So I would say the, the kind of the poster child for that here uh, under my administration was uh, Ken's Foods. Um, they make all of the, the salad dressings and they actually make a lot of the sweet baby raised barbecue sauce here in Lebanon. And they've been a great employer, um, great company, potentially talking about expanding already again. Um, you know, but then we've also had some food, um, some cold storage as well, kind of the company that kind of dovetails with that, you know, between uh, U.S. cold storage expanding as well as New Cold, which is a very large automated, highly automated cold storage facility, um, about a $150 million investment in Lebanon. Uh, but then also companies like Monosol, which, you know, they make the water soluble film for Tide Pods or Cascade Pods that we use in our dishwashers and, and uh, washing machines, you know, and, and, and they've been phenomenal, right? So really kind of diversifying that types of, of employers and what they do and what they make, you know, products that people can touch and use every single day versus just the companies that kind of move products around, I think is a long-term uh, sustainable types of industries we, we want to continue to see here. Now, as we say about Indiana, uh, Lebanon doesn't have any mountains or beaches. Exactly right. Uh, it does have Interstate 65, which runs it's right correct. through the city uh, no. on its way between Indianapolis and Lafayette and then another 150 miles to the north of Chicago. This might be obvious to everybody but me, but how is I-65 central to the success of Lebanon? Um, I would say without Interstate 65, I mean, we wouldn't have our business park here. Um, and that business park probably equates to about 45 to 48% of our city's tax base. So if we didn't have that, you know, our property taxes would be much higher. 
Um, you know, obviously it's a huge employment um, sector for us. You know, vast majority of our largest employers are out there in the business park. Um, yeah, it's critical for us. I mean, 65 is, you know, it, it comes with, with challenges too, right? You know, if there's a crash on 65, which happens frequently, if anybody drives that stretch, um, you know, we get a lot of cars through town, right? And we have to manage that, right? So, you know, there's a blessing and a curse sometimes, um, but of course, that's that's the visibility that Lebanon has, right? And, and that's why, you know, as we kind of talk about how do we, you know, grow long-term, you know, it's kind of why we're going to be talking about this field house concept there along 65, kind of capture some tourism dollars, you know, show people that there's, you know, more Lebanon than just, you know, jobs and, you know, and a Starbucks and McDonald's that people usually stop at. So the Lebanon Business Park uh, is a monster. I mean, it's it's 1,250 acres. Yeah. Adjacent to I-65 and and tell me if I'm wrong here, this is kind of the south west side of town yeah. um, on the other side of the highway. There are more than 20 companies there. And some are, you know, as you say, manufacturing, light industrial. My understanding is that it's almost full. It is, yeah. So that sounds like it could be a problem. Where do you put new companies who want to be in Lebanon? You know, that's something that we've been wrestling with. And, uh, you know, how do, you know, what's, I'd say there's about two or three more sites in there. Now, now there are more sites in that, but they're owned by the companies that are kind of adjacent to it, that they're ready to, if they want to expand, they kind of have that ready to go. So yeah, there's kind of there's a there's a there's a ceiling there, right? You know, there's there's a way to kind of naturally continue to grow that um, west along State Road 32, but then you know there's also been some recent discussions as well with the the state kind of pursuing some options of you know bringing in kind of high high end high tech research and and technology kind of companies uh, that kind of changes maybe some of the focus of what we have there as well too. So it kind of dovetails into kind of what you know the state is kind of seen us as a as a viable option for short for some investment and and you know we're trying to figure out a way to be partners there as well so but you know we also have a development south of town um the the, the waterford development which would include a industrial component as well so there could be some um, additional uh, footprint south for for users going forward gotcha so yeah let me talk about uh what the state has planned I and mean, to the extent that i understand it yep. so we reported last week that the indiana's economic development agency the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, uh, has identified Boone County as a key location for future growth and is exploring land purchase options for what would be an inc- a huge, <laughs> I mean, bigger, yeah. bigger, than, b- bigger than the entire campus of, of Purdue University, 4,000 to 7,000 acre business park uh, for innovative high-tech companies. Apparently it's making offers to buy land for a project of the size uh, it insists it does not have any confirmed details about the size of this and investment that would be required for it, specific businesses uh, that would uh, invest in this project. Uh, what is your understanding basically of this and how it would work? What, what are they trying to do and why? Yeah, my, my understanding is based on conversations with both the governor and Secretary of Commerce. I mean, they essentially want a ready-made area to compete on a national level for these new types of you know next gen technology companies um, to locate here in Indiana, and and they see you know they look at where Lebanon is on the map, you know halfway between Indianapolis and Lafayette, you know again along I sixty five we talked about close to the Indianapolis International Airport, you know they see a lot of pluses of you know and then obviously we have farmland available around us, and so they want to kind of develop they kind of want to master plan this area. Essentially says when they when they see a large you know next gen type technology or research user, they can kind of 
fast track this and say, hey, we've got this area ready to go. We've done all the planning. We've got all the infrastructure in place. You know, your speed to business is going to be next to none. And really develop into kind of a, a research triangle park, kind of North Carolina. So it's kind of the, the Hoosier version of that, if you want to say. So that's, I mean, I think that's something that they, you know, it's a pretty big swing by the state for sure. Um, but as economic development has changed a lot in the last, you know, even 10 years, you know, how do we kind of set the stage and set the groundwork in place to be able to move quickly when these companies are ready to make these big investments and decisions um, and make sure we're competitive, mm-hmm. you know, you know, workforce is critical and, and, and being able to be close to Purdue to have serve, you know, students with engineering degrees or research degrees graduating every year, that becomes a very quick, you know, easy talent pipeline for, for companies that are located there as well. How much of, the, of this would be in Lebanon or are really close to Lebanon? So, mo- so all of the land, from my understanding, is almost directly adjacent to city land, c- city corporate limits. So it's not, none of it's currently within the city limits. Um, so that's kind of a, a process we'll have to work through of whether it's in the county, whether it's in the city, you know, some of it's going to depend on annexations, things like that. You know, my policy is we only do a 100% voluntary annexations to the city. So if that's something that they want in the city, then the landowner would have to petition us to, to come bring it in the city. Um, you know, we'll have to figure out the utilities and how to serve it, you know, how it's served by the road network. Those are all big questions that have, still have to be answered. You know, this is still very early in this process, but it has a huge potential upside to bring these, you know, next generation careers that pay great wages for for families and provide lots of you know limited potential and opportunities for for this current generation and future ones. And what kinds of companies? I mean, are, do they uh, foresee? You know, I, I'd say everything from you know biopharmaceutical companies, you know, uh, life sciences, semiconductors, you know, microprocessors, you know, maybe electric batteries. I mean, all of the companies are going to be critical for the next. You know, next generation technology and, and products we'll use on a daily basis going forward, right? You know, what's, you know, what do we, what do we need to power the our society twenty years from now, right? What are the, what are the things we need, and and they want to be built here in Indiana and hopefully here in Lebanon. But when did uh, the state kind of bring you into the loop on this? So I officially got briefed by the state um, March first. That was you know kind of when I was able to meet with the, the governor and the secretary of commerce. Uh, we tried to set up meetings earlier and they kept getting delayed for, for COVID reasons and things like that. So I finally got kind of the, hey, here's the vision for this on March 1st. So um, now we've been hearing rumors since before Thanksgiving. Um, so we, we kind of heard lots of things swirling with everything from a, you know, a, a penitentiary to a FedEx airport to a nuclear reactor. You know, I started a rumor that they're going to move IMS up to Lebanon. You know, you know, I know I'm just joking, um, but, you know, lots of rumors swirling. Right. But no one knew what was, you know, who was behind this, what were they were doing. Right. So a lot of kind of uncertainty happening. And so we were just trying, you know, so I was appreciated the state kind of looping us in on that finally. And, you know, it's been, you know, about a month now and we're, we're kind of still working through the details and, you know, figuring out the right process to go through and how do we, how do we balance the, property rights of the people wanting to sell the land with the you know potential adjacent neighbors to it, right? And what's the best process to go through that? Yeah. So yeah, what do they say, uh, Matt, here's what we need you to do. There hasn't been an ask yet. You know, we, we've been having discussions and it's, uh, you know, I mean, they're going to need utilities for sure, right? Um, which that's something that the city obviously has. And we, have, we own our municipal utilities that we can extend out there to help serve. Um, but also we don't have a limited water either, right? So that's a challenge we have is, 
you know, where do we get water from to, to serve these? Because a lot of these users are very heavy water users. And so there's been discussions of, you know, what do we do to the interchange at 300? You know, what do they do from a water supply standpoint? Um, so those are all things that have to be worked through and developed to kind of again, set this stage to make it an attractive place to, uh, to locate your, your, your next gen technology company. So uh, I guess, as, as you would expect, there's been some pushback from yeah. residents of Boone County about you know, how a large development like this could destroy the character of the area. Yeah. Uh, what are you hearing from residents of Lebanon? So I would say, I mean, generally speaking, it's, it's from my observation, it's, it really does break along kind of a rural urban kind of divide here. You know, the people that are in town, they see the potential jobs, they see what this could, what the, the, the opportunities this could provide for their kids and grandkids. Um, you know, they, they see good things with this, right? Obviously, if you live outside city limits um, and you're, you maybe own land near this, you get nervous, right? You're like, well, the, you know, I'm used to looking out over this cornfield and then that may become a, you know, a, a battery plant one day, right? You know, they get nervous about it. So I, I understand that. But how do you balance that between, you know, the, the landowner that wants to sell the land has that right to do that, right? So how do you how do you plan for that? And how do you have a process that you can work through? But I'd say generally speaking, from a city standpoint, you know, we see the a lot of, I mean, these are types of careers and jobs you want in your community, right? These are, you know, these would be Fortune 100 companies that would be located here that we want to see that would bring, you know, more dollars into our community, you know, help us bring in more restaurants, more shops, more dining, more, more options, more things that people want in a community, more amenities, right? So yeah, again, that's kind of the tipping point. You know, that's that balancing thing where we're, we're going through, right? We're, we're changing from a, you know, call it exurban um, rural community to very much a suburban part of the Indianapolis metropolitan area community. Is it possible to change somebody's mind on something like this? Oh, um, you know, I, I hope so. I'm optimistic. You know, I try. Um, I've tried to be very proactive to engage with with people and try to answer their questions if they have concerns about it and try to understand and try to explain the, the process and try to explain, you know, you know, there, there aren't going to be any, any annexations that aren't 100% voluntary, right? So if you don't want to be in the city, you're not going to be forced to be in the city. You know, they can't, we can't force you to do things. So, you know, I'm trying to explain, you know, the limitations that we have as a city, what we can and can't do. But, you know, at the same time too, though, sometimes, you know, when you have NIMBY fights, there really isn't anything you can do sometimes to convince people. And, you know, but in the day, you know, I have to look at it from what's in the best interest of the city and my residents and, is it the right decision for the future of our community? And after you know seeing all of what they plan to do and, and the investment they want to make and the types of companies and careers that they would bring here, it's hard for me to see any negatives, especially when it's a voluntary process where the people that own the land are the ones choosing to sell it, right? They're not being in the domain, you know, they're not being forced to do it. Yeah, it's really going to be up to you know the negotiations with the state, I would assume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, not that they can make it worth their while. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of, and I can't remember exactly where this has been taking place. It's somewhere in central Indiana, where there are some major uh, alternative energy projects mm-hmm. uh, that are at least have been proposed. And actually, uh, Boone County as well. <laughs> oh well, there you go. Well, you, yeah, you know already more than I do. Uh, where, it, it, from my perspective, uh, I think you know there can't be much wrong with having uh, you know a solar array uh, across the road from you. But some people, I mean find that just to be a complete deal breaker and we'll try to fight you tooth and nail. Right. Well, I, I will say though, I think there's a big difference though, between a 
you know, a next gen technology, a research park and a solar farm, right? I mean, yeah, you'll have some jobs created with the solar farm, but it's not the same type of scale, right? It's not the same type of careers and opportunities that having a, you know, pick a name of, of a company that is that we all know, right? That we may have a, one of their products in our pocket right now. You know, having one of those companies located to your community is very different than having a you know, huge array of solar panels, right? So I, th- you know, I think the ripple effects and impacts that having actual those companies that are actually making things, that are researching things, that are developing things, is very different than just a hey, we're going to turn this farmland into a bunch of solar panels, right? So it's a little bit of a, but yeah, it's kind of that similar though. There is definitely a not in my backyard kind of th- thread there for sure. But the in, potential impact and ripple effects, I think, are far greater from a, this type of development than a you know just a general solar array. So we go back kind of to the beginning of the conversation for you know your raison d'être as mayor. Yep. It seems like your your biggest challenge is to make Lebanon as attractive a community as possible, so that companies would feel comfortable basing their employees here, and yeah. that more people would move here and be a part of the labor supply. For the right. And of course, we know, I mean, we've been talking for years now about, you know, how difficult it is to, to get people to, I mean, staff some of these big companies. Right. I mean, again, we, I mean, I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, we have a, we have a 0.2% unemployment rate in Boone County. I mean, less than 300 people are unemployed in Boone County at this moment. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I, I missed the percentage. You said 2.2. Uh, 0.2% unemployment rate. Right. Right. So, so very few people don't have a job right now in Boone County. So, you know, our challenge is to make is to bring more people to Lebanon, and you're and you know, and the way economic development has changed before, you know, previous generations, you know, they would pick, you know, or they would get a job at a company, right, and then they would go move there. What we're seeing now is people are picking where they want to live, you know, broadly speaking, and then and then finding a job, right. So it's kind of turned on its head a little bit that that's why you hear communities talking about quality of life improvements all the time. You know, that's why a big part of my job is focusing on, you know, building the big four trail all the way through Boone County, you know, adding amenities to our parks, you know, why we're building a mountain bike park on an old landfill, you know, why we're doing all of these quality of life amenities to make Lebanon a great place to live. Because, you know, we want to convince people to live here, which then helps us attract, um, you know, high paying, high skilled companies because we have a great talented workforce um, available here in Lebanon. Yeah. So, uh, is there like a U.S. Census website that you can go to every day and see, oh, two people moved in? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish there was, but no, not like that. You know, I, you know, I don't even know if I've gotten the fully final numbers from the 2020 census yet even still. But, you know, we're, you know, we're probably about 17,000 people now. Um, we've seen, you know, if you compare, you know, I think when I, in 2015 to the year I was running for mayor, um, we had two new housing permits the entire year of 2015. You know, we do that in a day most times now. So, I mean, it's, it's when you say housing permit, you mean like for a single family house or yeah, for, for a single family house, there were two new houses built in 2015 and 11. Wow. Um, yeah. So we were not really growing at all, right? We were pretty stagnant. Right. So, and now and we have, have home builders focusing on Lebanon. We're growing homes are being built. Honestly, you go look on Zillow, there aren't any homes available. So there's huge pinup demand for housing, you know, in Lebanon and, but you know, in, in all of central Indiana right now, and so we're trying to find how do we find that balance to provide different housing at different levels, um, again, to provide different different opportunities for everyone. How are you on our permits right now? Um, I think last I checked, we were over 60 this year. For the, for 2022 so far? Yes. yes. Oh, pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know there's a, a large 95-acre project uh, that has been proposed that uh, would 
multi multifaceted. You would have a 270,000 square foot field house mm-hmm. slash athletic facility, but there also would be apartments and condos and then commercial space for retail restaurants, uh, office buildings and hotels. Uh, where do you stand on that project right now? Yeah. So this is for any of your, uh, I mean, maybe older listeners, they may remember a, an old holodome there along 65 um, in, in Lebanon. And, you know, Long story short, great recession, whatever. Um, the city gets abandoned. The city acquires that property and and, and demolishes it. Right. So we kind of have this key parcel there at, at 65 and 39. And so we were kind of figuring out, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what do we do with that parcel? It's a, it's a key area, right? It kind of unlocks kind of that directly southern area of our of our community. You know, and as we were looking around of, you know, what, you know, when I first came in, people were wanting to do kind of more of an outlet, you know, retail options. But, you know, as we see outlet and retail has definitely changed in the last five years, even, um, you know, we kind of settled on kind of this youth sports kind of concept. You know, we already get overflow from Grand Park now. Um, and so we feel like that's kind of a niche we can kind of continue to capitalize on. Again, based on our location, makes it very easy for us to get to. Um, and so we were able to kind of form this partnership with Cardin Associates and they were, you know, they're a proven operator with three other facilities. Um, and we think it makes a lot of sense. So it'll be a nine court uh, uh, facility with two full size indoor football fields. You know, we, we project to see close to 60,000 people a month visit this. Um, and then the associated restaurants and hotels and entertainment all around it. So it's kind of our play, kind of a, kind of going back to kind of the, the history of the site and make it kind of almost a tourism play um, for us. And again, but also a quality life amenity because during the week, you know, it's a it's a public facility open to the public that can play basketball and pickleball and everything they want to do in there. So is this a good to go, green lit, all, all the approvals? Uh, not quite yet. We we done, we just completed the rezoning of that. Um, so we're moving through kind of now. We're going to start kind of going to the financial side of that and start doing moving the financials forward. Um, since we're targeting a, a summer groundbreaking for this for this Ooh. project, yeah. So, <laughs> so close, so close, but not you know definitely not pie in the sky. I mean it's 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 moving along and it's 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 on the on the on the process. As mayor, how do you measure whether or not you're doing a good job? Do you have metrics? Are you a data guy? Um, I do. Um, you know, I, I gauge a lot of it based, honestly, you know, not not based on metrics, but it's based on, uh, you know, social media interactions. <laughs> I mean, I can usually get a pretty good sense of what people are mad about, you know, based on Facebook and our different chat groups we have. But, I, you know, I, I would say it's kind of a black arts a little bit. You know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you, you, want, you want to see the bigger picture, but then you also understand there's kind of be, there's going to be a contingent that may not be for something, no matter what you say or do about it, right? So it's kind of how do you how do you balance by being a, both a trustee and a delegate, right? How do you kind of balance that internal conflict as a mayor um, and, and see be able to see the bigger vision, the bigger picture, and, and say, hey, you know, I know you may hate what I'm doing today, but there's reasons down the road of why we have to do this now, right? You know, I think people were very confusion. Why are we bringing a, a, the big four trail to our downtown, right? You know, what, what does this trail matter? It's like, well, we can get this trail completed through Boone County, you know, what that does for our local economy and just making it an attraction point, you know, makes it much larger than, than just if it's just a trail out to Thorntown. So there are things like that, that, you know, there aren't, and I don't expect people to know this, right. But, you know, there are things you see as a mayor that you have to be able to see the bigger picture that, you know, there may be kind of rocky, water in the in the short term but in the long term it's the right decision going forward 
Has there been something that you've proposed or really wanted to do where uh, the populace or the other, other officials in the county or the city just drew the line and said, no, we're not going to do that? Yeah, not really, because I try, I mean, I'm, I'm by nature a consensus builder, right? So I try to find things that people in theory agree upon, right? And then try to move those forward. And, you know, I feel, I mean, based on discussions and engagements I have with my council, you know, I get a pretty good feeling whether they're for something or not pretty quickly. And if they're not, you know, I'm, if I really believe in it, I may try to kind of convince them and go back and forth with them. But if they are budging, all right, we'll move on. Let's find something we agree on and move that forward. You know, I, I really do try to have a, you know, I'd rather have us all kind of walk together um, versus, you know, me kind of going out on a limb, you know, uh, you know, uh, a, a, uh, the difference between a, a, you know, a leader and a guy just taking a walk is followers, right? So you got to make sure you've got people all walking in the same direction. And when you look back now in your first year as mayor, uh, is there something that you wish you had known? You know, I, I would say I wish I had known um, it's going to take a long time. You know, obviously I was 26, ready to go. Um, just the just just the sheer bureaucracy you have to fight through at you know the local level, the county level, the state level. It just it's just a constant fight, right? And so I I maybe should have had different expectations of how long things take to do. You know, I, I said a, you know my campaign in 2015 was about our 11 2020 vision plan, right? We didn't hit everything in there, right? Because there's a lot of complicated things in there. You know, like I wanted to try to bring additional higher education opportunities to Lebanon. You know, that's not something that's an easy thing to do, right? You got to have a lot of players you have to kind of put together to make that happen. So, yeah, but I, I would say, I think I've done a, um, I'm happy with what we've done. I think we've done the right things for the right reasons. Um, and at the end of the day too, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the fact that if people don't vote for me again, because they disagree with me, I can, I can sleep at night saying, Hey, I, I did what I felt like was in the best interest of our community. And I'm happy with that. So I can, and I can live with that. Well, I know we're going to be checking in with you uh, off and on about what the state has planned and also what you guys have planned. So um, this, feel free this, anytime. More than happy to. Yeah. Consider this a continuing conversation. We'll check in sometime real soon. Thank you so much. My thanks again to Matt Gentry. And folks, before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest print edition of IBJ I want to draw to your attention. First up, compared to other major cities, Indianapolis is notoriously low on public green space and the funds to add more parkland. Leslie Bonigia Muniz reports that local officials and not-for-profits now are exploring the potential sale of carbon credits to finance green space acquisition and preservation. Also in this week's issue, Emily Ketterer profiles the five Democrats who are running for a newly drawn seat in the Indiana Senate that runs through the heart of downtown Indianapolis. And Daniel Bradley reports that Hamilton County is finally ready to begin its $29 million reconstruction of the heavily traveled intersection at 146th Street and Allisonville Road. And you will not be surprised to learn that it soon will join the county's immense roster of roundabouts with all traffic lights eliminated. Again, you can read these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say it's quite a bit easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. It works out to about $2 per week for actionable information you're not going to find anywhere else. 
Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast, which is edited by Leslie Weinbenner. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week. <laughs>